0: everyone and welcome to episode 14 of season 4. If you've just joined, this is Robin from out of Tired Witch on Instagram and I'm joined by the lovely Maria the Arcane on Instagram. Today's episode is a little different. <laughs> uh, Maria is feeling a little under the weather, so we had to record this episode a little different than usually. So there are gonna to be parts where perhaps it sounds um, like I'm by myself and that's because I am. Uh, but Maria will be just fine in no time, so don't fret. <laughs> This episode, we are also joined by Leah of the Redheaded Witch to talk about folk magic, her upcoming book, and just in general her practice. And if you are not already a member of our Patreon, on July 22nd, so this weekend from the episode coming out, we are joined by Lilith Dorsey, the author of Water Magic and like a ton of other books. To do a class on water magic um, and this is going to be for the Patreon members library tier and up so we hope to see you there
1: So if you just joined us for this episode or haven't listened to the other episodes so far this season, in lieu of choosing a tarot card and discussing it like we were doing the previous seasons, this time we're just going over like the whole different sections of tarot. Like we've already went over the minor arcana, the major arcana, all the different suits, and now we're just working our way through the numbers. And today we are discussing the eights. So this is when we start seeing progress once again on our journeys, or we either bear witness or are completely naive to the cracks in our plans and paths. The eights are action. They are movement or even fear of both. When it comes to progress and movement, we see this on cards like the Eight of Pence, which is like being hard at work to refine what we are working on. We have the Eight of Cups, when we step away from something we are emotionally attached to so that we can grow. And then we have the Eight of Wands, a like a Power card that comes at a steep cost, which we will get here, get to here in just a second. Then we have the Eight of Swords, Swords, which at its heart is a card of fear of making a card of fear of making progress or even of making moves because you don't trust yourself or your abilities. If you continue on this path, it leads to nowhere. But at this stage, or even at the nine, there is still time to make some changes. You can become your knight in shining armor. You can fix the problems. But if you keep letting it drag on, you won't be able to fix it. So this is definitely a warning card to keep an eye out for. The eight of wands, while on the surface seems like a pretty positive card to get when it comes to movement and progress, everything that like the eights represent, actually foretells burnout it is best to even it's it's best to like even it out and to make sure you are heading in to the situation with balance if that is not possible though sometimes we do have to like exercise all of our energy in order to make something or to help something progress but um but at the very least prioritize some rest afterwards and to be able to recoup because you will feel burnt out after this is completed. So what do you think of this card, Robin, dear?
0: You know, um, as we've talked about the last few episodes, I have very little to add to this. The one thing that I will say about eights that I don't think that you touched on is eights ability to have boundaries. Um, I feel like, you know, we talk about the things like strength and uh, the kind of movement in these cards. But when we talk about things like, you know, the moon, um, we talk about things like the eight of cups, the eight of swords, we are seeing these boundaries, boundaries, both within our understanding of other people's boundaries, like in the eight of swords and kind of where we're able to safely move ahead or our own boundaries in the eight of cups, to say, I can't do this, I'm walking away. So the only extra thing I would add is boundaries. If you've just joined us this week, every week we talk about upcoming lunar phases and how you can utilize those in your personal practice. Now, that being said, the nearest one from today's episode is going to be on August 1st. It is the full moon in Aquarius. And a fun fact about August is there is actually two full moons this month, um, which is kind of exciting. (laughs) Uh, full moon in Aquarius is, in my personal opinion, a really good time to both have the balance of the acceptance for the need of change and the strength to actually make those steps forward. Um, you might think of like Libra when we hear this kind of energy, but I really feel like the Aquarius full moon is just such a good time to kind of focus on equality and justice and also the inspiration that it takes to kind of have real follow through. Because while we might have these ideas kind of on the tips of our uh, tongues, if you will, (laughs) uh, for what kind of change we need, it does take a certain kind of motivation and inspiration to actually be able to figure out how to make these steps and for the follow through. Uh, so in when we're talking about utilizing this moon in a magical sense the full moon in aquarius is a really good time to work on justice spells to do cleansing um, and and like literal cleaning for your home to kind of release that old energy if you're somebody who is really big on floor washes and window washes and just that kind of cleansing slash cleaning this would be a really good time to do that Um, So maybe we're going to do some cleaning of our house, getting rid of things that are holding old energy and then doing a full blown cleanse to kind of release that energy in a more meaningful way. Um, Or we're going to do some spell work that is going to take our ideas and our inspirations of like the follow through (laughs) that we want to see happen and kind of give ourselves a road opener to see it all the way through. Um, so altogether, I feel like this moon is a really great time to give yourself just a kick in the pants to kind of you know out with the old in with the new. <laughs> as we talked about earlier in this episode, we have a lovely guest here today. We are joined by Leah of Redheaded Witch. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. Um, hello there. My name is Leah, and I was just telling Robin and Maria that this is my first podcast ever, so I just want to <laughs> say that I am so excited to be here and so honored. Um, I'm very excited not very, to have you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very good at plugging myself, so um, I'm going to try <laughs> and... Uh, give you the rundown um so my name is leah and i currently live in the pacific northwest um but i grew up in the appalachians and i create content for a few platforms um youtube instagram and TikTok. and yeah i talk a lot about my personal craft um which i describe as folklore traditional practice and um I own a coffee company it's uh in its first year of full craft goods and it is my my passion my love my my baby uh so yeah I think oh yep and of course last but not least I just announced my first book um the beginner witch's new book so yeah that's like a new thing that I'm like don't forget this is you know (laughs) what you're talking about um so, yes, it's available for pre order now and it'll be on shelves September 26th. So, so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations, congratulations on that. That's a Thank big so congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Lots of nerves, lots of excitement, but, um, <laughs> you know, that goes into the territory, I guess, of, of putting your work out there. So,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book, like what people can expect when they pick it up?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um, in my book, I really wanted to write something with, um, you know, an individual who is curious about a magical path in mind, and so I explore the idea of what traditional witchcraft is and what folk magic is, um, and I, for me personally, it became really natural for me to integrate my ancestral practice, so I do talk about ancestral veneration and work, um, and so you know, an individual who might be curious of what that looks like or how to even go about it. Um, I provide some guidance in that way and my personal approach as well as some thought-provoking prompts, which uh, was something that I really wanted to do to kind of inspire the reader to think for themselves and to kind of figure out what resonates with them, what Mm -hmm. divinity was, what the relationship with themselves and their craft is. Um, and then I also share about 30 rituals and spells um, that are beginner-friendly. So That's yeah. so
0: good. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds really good. I, I think there's a lot of um, really good beginner books out there, but I don't feel like mm-hmm. there's enough beginner books that talk about things from our personal perspective, as opposed to just yeah. like here's the information
1: yeah I <laughs> yeah. really like the like fixated books like on one particular like introductory mm-hmm. you know thing mm-hmm. rather than being like try to wrap up let's say Wicca and folklore yeah. and like yeah. all of that in the same book
2: <laughs> and when I started the conversation of my first book I really didn't know what I wanted to do I mean the conversations that I had with my publisher they were um really wanted me to showcase like my spells and rituals which I think is is pretty common. Yeah. Um I did do my own photography of the book too that was really important <gasps> How to me. Amazing. Yeah, That's to so have exciting that, Yeah, to have that creative freedom cuz I You know, I'm a photographer. I used to be in the wedding industry for back when I lived in Asheville, with it being such a wedding destination spot. Mm -hmm. Um, But photography is just, you know, Maria, I think you can relate to this. It's just (laughs) such a beautiful form of art. And so that was really important to me. Um, And yeah, I just, I really was trying to think of, you know, what would I want to read at the beginning of my practice? and, And as I kind of, started to develop my craft and that's how I created the table of contents and just kind of like was a very organic process I really did not know what was going to unfold I wrote so much and Mm -hmm. my publisher was like you got it Dial, <laughs> it Dial it back. Dial back. This so, is so
0: great, and I love your enthusiasm. But if you could yeah. just
2: take that down a couple pegs, right? Yeah, cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so They are like, this is great, but um, you know, because they didn't give me a workout to begin with. Oh, really? No, they yes. didn't give you any kind of goal. They were like, wow. no. They were like, so this is kind of like what we've done in the past, but um, you know, whatever you think would be enough. And I was like. I could that's the thing don't give me that don't freedom give me that yeah. <laughs> so but yeah it was it was uh, an amazing journey especially when yeah, you're so. super passionate about the topic yeah, yeah. Have I, would to really,
1: I would really like to see the unabridged book because me I do, oh, yeah, you do feel I like it. sometimes <laughs> publishers take too much out so yeah. It's yeah. Like, I would yeah. rather just keep reading like honestly yeah. nothing is better than like a witchy book that is like like four inches, you know,
2: thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That, would have been mine, that would have been mine if they weren't like, How many words are you at now? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta stop.
0: <laughs> when, uh, I'm, wor- I'm working on my second book, and I have the same conversation with mm-hmm. uh, an editor. Because they were like, hey, Robin, this is one chapter and you wrote 10,000 words. And I was like, what if we just let me do what I want and we worry about it later? Have you ever thought about that? (laughs)
2: That was my approach. I was like, I'm going to write until they're going to tell me to stop and yeah I had my support system you know throughout the process to have to provide feedback and I was like is this too much <laughs> <laughs> like, they're probably going to ask you to cut it <laughs> okay, okay.
0: that's so lame. funny yeah. <laughs> I know I know this is this is some behind the scenes for our listeners on how the yes. uh, the publishing world works <laughs> yeah so going off of you and being from Asheville originally, or not, I guess, originally, originally adjacent to um, yeah. that general area, being from the Appalachian Mountains, yeah. uh, how did that impact and develop your craft as you were kind of getting a really good footing in magic?
2: Yeah. So um, for some context, like I was I wasn't born and raised in North Carolina. I was born very close in South Carolina, but growing up, like we moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we but we moved to the Asheville area in 1998. So that Mm -hmm. was, you know, not to give away my age, not that it matters, but that was like a significant part of my life. I was there for over 20 years. Um, most of my childhood that I remembered was rooted in growing up in Henderson County and Buncombe County. And, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone who lives in that area of the country, but you most likely had some very religious and Christian family members. Um, (laughs) I did. And so I was raised as a Southern Baptist. I was dedicated as a baby. I was baptized, everything. Um, but like that religion didn't really translate into my home. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was forced to like read the Bible every night and it wasn't anything like that. Um, and so I kind of had a little bit more of, I had, you know, my parents kind of guiding me through like what, like Christianity was and everything, but I was also in spot, I was also kind of guided to think for myself, you know, like even though my my parents would take us to church, they didn't really like force too much on us. It was just mm-hmm. what, their, what family did. So, but at a very young age, you know, after my parents had split up, um, I actually grew up with my dad who didn't continue those types of practices. You know, he didn't have us going to church or anything like that. So that's mm-hmm. when I started to really kind of uncover for myself of of what I believed in divinity and kind of connecting to the world around me. Um and I was always really inspired and felt really connected to just the 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 nature around us. Like if you visit Asheville or just anywhere in the Appalachian Mountains, like you can just feel how magical it is and just how alive it is. And that's honestly how I found, how I really found inspiration into my own spirituality and beliefs. Like I didn't mm-hmm. even really put a name to it. Um, you know, growing up, I still had friends who went to church. Um, and I, I tried it, you know, I tried Christianity and I just didn't, I felt really outcasted and I did, it did not resonate with me in any capacity. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, Found some amazing friends and support system that really were, you know, deeply rooted in the Appalachian Mountains. They they knew the magic there, and they were inspired by it. And so we kind of shared that together. And um, I would oftentimes find myself like hiking and, uh, you know, returning to nature and some of the most difficult difficult moments of my life. And that's just how it kind of sparked something in me, like this this is where I feel most connected. Mm -hmm. And then I found out my dad's whole side of the family is like deeply rooted in Appalachians. Like I'm saying like Kentucky, Tennessee for like generations. And I was like, well, now (laughs) that makes sense. Why like intuitively we ended up kind of coming back. But Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Like I, I wasn't, you know, trying to find that. Um, it just kind of, when I started to discover like my own family tree and kind of like what those roots look like, and when I discovered that so much of my dad's side of the family was like, yep, we're Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, like Kentucky, you know, I was like, this kind of makes sense why a part of me feels so at home here. And it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, necessarily because I grew up, but it just, it yeah, it felt like it fit in a way.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and nice when you find these kind of connections.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has been to Asheville, I completely like understand like how it yeah. easy it is to wrap yourself up in Asheville. Like it's so yeah. beautiful. And i oh, know. wants to move there so bad. I do. I do. Aww. I do. My <laughs> wife and I talk about it all the time, but then we're like, Oh, yeah. moving costs. Oh, that sucks.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting it, another it, job. Like yeah. these things. It's so <laughs> wonderful there and I will also say like the community there is really wonderful too like I I cannot tell you like how much like the the friendships that I had there like they just were amazing and Mm -hmm. I think I think that was like one of the hardest things for me when I moved away was like oh my goodness like I I'm not only moving away from what I know and what I'm so familiar with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm also moving away from people who have been been there for me and who have inspired me and supported me. Um, so, if you do decide to take the leap and move to Asheville, I have some <laughs> wonderful people to connect you with because they're <laughs> they're lovely.
1: Sounds That's good. <laughs> So speaking of which, can you tell, oh, this a different thing. I think we moved around the questions. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. But tell us what makes a folk witch different from other versions of the craft.
2: Yeah. Um, so for me and the way that I interpret folk witchery and uh, the craft, it's Inspired by the land, um, inspired by the stories of the land and you know oftentimes it references the folk magic of a group of people so that can be your local community um, or it can be a specific group of people and I think this is what oftentimes inspires individuals to kind of dive into their own ancestry um, to kind of you know, explore the people before them and who kind of make them who they are today. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do dive into ancestry more in my book and, and who those individuals are and kind of expand on the idea that they're not only individuals in your family tree, that they are individuals and elders and and um, mentors in your life. And I think, you know, this really inspires the folk witch. You know, what what are the ways to, that these people healed what are the ways that they harmed (laughs) you know what are the ways that they protected what are the ways that they um you know connected to to their past loved ones and I think that there's a lot of inspiration when it comes to um reading these these stories and these ways of people in our communities and of our family um and The practice and the approach of a folk witch is so unique to the individual because a lot of the times, you know, who they are inspired by and where they live is so influential and to their practice. So, you know, my practice is slowly but surely kind of transitioning because of now I live all the way across on the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So now I'm connecting with such a different environment and you know, plants around me. And that's usually what, you know, that has always been kind of my first approach to connecting with anywhere that I am and and how I incorporate it into my craft. And so
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I felt really kind of, honestly, I felt kind of like displaced. I, I really did not know, you know, how to even kind of go about it when I first arrived because I was so, you know, I just had so much influence of the Appalachians with me and so Mm -hmm. to begin I really tried to find okay what are some familiar plants around that you know can guide me um, (laughs) and that I'm familiar with um and then going to you know local libraries and, and buying books that were like okay here's some local plants to your area and so you know all of this is going to influence a folk witch the stories here are different Um, Mm -hmm. I did discover though that the Sasquatch is both in Appalachians and the Pacific Northwest so do without what you will don't know why (laughs) Um, listen as somebody
0: who is born and raised okay Pacific Northwest we have the real Sasquatch I don't know what you guys have you guys have some sort of yeti thing but we have the real Sasquatch but I mean I just I
2: think it's so fascinating and I will say too like um, when I moved here I, I recognized like the The lore of indi- Indigenous folks were so preserved and so alive mm-hmm. here, yeah. and I think that is so incredible and important. Whereas where I came from, the Appalachian Mountains, you know, there's they're kind of more buried, um, mm-hmm. and I think that is you know one very significant difference that I found.
0: But, That's interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was,
0: I would think that it would be preserved, but also I've lived in a bubble of ignorance where yeah. where I live, these things have always been preserved. And they they're mm-hmm. like where I live, there are um two tribes and they're like mm-hmm. huge parts of our community and they have their own community as well. And it's very well known. So Yeah.
2: And like it's where I grew up in to... Asheville, like we have a Cherokee tribe. And so we learn about them in school. Mm-hmm. Um but I, here, I just feel it's so like their voices are so more amplified. And maybe that's, you know, because I'm paying more attention. Like that is something that I learned, you know, growing up is, is paying more attention to mm-hmm. those voices that do, you know, and that we here and the wisdom that they do share. Because they are, the wisdom and the healing that they passed on to the individuals and in Appalachians, like they are very much like proficient and there and in that way I think that they are being preserved but the stories here that I have heard are just so like I said I feel like I'm paying more attention Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um So yeah, I kind of went on a little bit of a Yeah, but your little tangent
0: actually kind of covered our next question, which was asking about your move to the Pacific Northwest and how you've incorporated this move into your
2: craft and what that has Mm -hmm. translated to. So yeah you you kind of covered both questions without even realizing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just yeah, and I, you know, I will also say like the approach to, like, a folk witch's practice, you know, it, it might, their tools are going to probably look a bit different. Like, uh-huh. they're, you know, they may look to more of mundane items and tools um, that, you know, people use every single day, like a pair of scissors or, you uh-huh. know, something of that nature. Um, and that's because I feel like, for me personally, I look to what's around me and what's available and there's an an inspiration to be creative <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so to kind of shift gears a little bit yeah. Um, as you said yourself early, early on in our conversation, you have this new coffee business that is in its first year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I know that I have enjoyed it
2: fully. Yes, Maria so is, going, is going to enjoy it. I have not forgotten <laughs> to send you some well. <laughs> tell us a little bit about it. Tell us what inspired it.
0: Like, tell us about how you've incorporated coffee with magic. Just give us the lowdown
2: yeah so coffee is really like it's such an important part of my craft because it's it's my grounding time it is how I set my intention every single day mm-hmm. um I was really inspired to create like my own intentional syrups when I was a barista shocking um <laughs> and and it was just like one of the ways that I can incorporate magic into my everyday. And so um, coffee for me is is it's a grounding exercise you know, a grounding practice, but it's also something that I feel is um, really does connect people with one another. Like as a barista, you know, I encountered so many people in my local community. I encountered so many people that were just passing by. Um, mm-hmm. and all of us were tethered by, coffee, our appreciation for coffee, the enjoyment of coffee. It's the and... millennial
0: to barista pipeline. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I,
2: I just like, I really appreciate that about like the co- being in the coffee industry and just how the conversations that I had with people, how some of them were incredibly insightful and inspiring to me, um, not only with my customers and people who were passing through, but also the people that I worked with. And I mean like those those people like in in my past life or you know like my um, you know years ago when I was a barista like they I don't think they understand how much influence they had on me and just like how much inspiration that they instilled in me but um, I really see coffee like that like and that was one of the ways that I wanted to essentially connect with my digital community, my, my community here, um, as well as my local community, you know, I, I really wanted to provide something that we could all share together. And coffee is a shared love. And I knew the impact that I had on my life and how I used it and my craft and every single day. And so um, I wanted to be able to do that for, for others too. Yeah. Well. I love coffee and I love magic, so that sounds like amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah.
0: <laughs> like, not to get like two up Leah's ass, but her packaging is unreal. <sighs> like, I actually, Aww. the box that you sent me, i yeah. kept it because
2: I'm like, I'm gonna use it for something. That, yeah, that's, something. That's, some of our, that's some of our old branding. And I remember like when I first started and and um you know, my husband designed that box. Like he was I like oh. if we're gonna do it, like we're gonna go all out. And so, so was, British. Oh so my yeah. god.
0: <laughs> Listen, if I learned anything from being married to a Brit for the last decade. This is the yeah. one thing that they all repeat. Yeah. the job's worth doing, it's worth doing it right. Yeah. Shut up.
2: <laughs> yeah. And he just, yeah. And, you know, he, even to this day, like, because uh, I had officially asked him to, like, be part of this with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And because I just, I, there were, we balance each other out so well. There's, mm-hmm. like, areas that he's really good at and areas that I just flop. Um, but he, You know, even to this day, he's like, what can we do? Like, one more. And I'm just like, can we relax? (laughs) Like, one step at a time. Um, You know, because we are in some, like, really exciting, like, planning stages for full craft and kind of, like, seeing how we can take that to the next level and and really start to integrate that locally um so i'm really excited but yeah, yeah that's you really got, exciting. you got an original uh i kept the box. I'm, box I'm gonna that use that it for box. something exactly. i don't know what i
0: don't know what i'm gonna use it for i'm like i'm but i again going back to the millennial pipeline i am a box hoarder i'm like well i might need to use this box for something and <laughs> yeah. that one's so pretty that i literally cannot bring myself to throw it away so <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> my scenario. husband's like what are we doing with this box when, when are we gonna get rid of it i'm like we're not so Never. yeah it's here forever accept it embrace
2: it move on
1: are you guys considering opening up a coffee place sometime or another a
2: shop Ooh. yeah
1: like a little yeah. witchy like coffee <laughs> yes. shop huh?
2: so the idea is that that was really my vision for full craft at the very beginning because i i used to work at a coffee shop back in the day like when i moved to oregon for like it was 2001 like it was like 20, like you know 10 years ago or so um and the the shop that i worked for i really liked uh the fact that they had a space where like individuals could come and rent the space to like do like mm-hmm. either a meeting or a workshop whatever it was mm-hmm. um and i was like oh well, that's kind of cool i've not not worked at a coffee shop that has that space and then uh the shop that i worked for back in asheville like they had an upstairs that you could also rent out and so i was like you know what like I would love to be able to not only have a coffee shop, but also, like, a space for workshops, for, like, gathering people together. Mm -hmm. and um, And I wanted a space that really emphasized and celebrated other people's, like, craft, you know? Like, having their personal items in store, having, you know, whether that's, like, pottery or, like, herbalism or, you know, something of the nature, something that was really uh you know, a support to the local community mm-hmm. because I think that is such a, an important, that really is, um, you know a successful coffee company in my opinion. Um, so when I started to think about what I wanted to do with my life, uh, which <laughs> I still ask myself every single day, um, <laughs> but I just kept going back to this idea. This coffee shop. And I mean, when I was like 16, I was like, oh, I want to own a coffee shop. Didn't really like have much thought to it. But the more that I was in the industry and the more that I identified a personal value of mine, um, it just made more and more sense. Mm -hmm. And so it, it has always been with the idea that one day this will be a physical space. It will be a coffee shop, it will have a retail space, but it will also have a space four workshops, for for community gatherings, um, to celebrate one another and to support each other. So I love you that. Speak? I
0: think that's oh. so nice. I think it's yeah. like a lofty goal is a good thing to have. Like that way, yeah. you're always working towards something. It's important. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's it's a lot of work for sure, and I can't tell you when or or anything like that. But um, you know, just taking it one day at a time.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Perfect. I love it. Yeah. So one last question before we go. <laughs> if you could give a beginner witch one piece of advice, what would it be?
2: If I could give one piece of advice, <laughs> just try it. Just do it. Just get your hands dirty. I think I spent so much time like, being scared to do anything that I was learning. And I am such a hands-on learner like in, in all areas of my life and I don't know maybe it's like that popular saying like fuck around and find out <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know if i can say that yeah. on here you um, can yeah, you okay. can. yeah. <laughs> trust me this is a potty mouth podcast but yeah like i just Sorry I, learned, Apple. <laughs> yeah, I learned so much by doing like all of my successes all of my accidents all of my failures like that is how i learned and i just if if you're someone who learns similarly where you are a hands-on experience like i just i want to just give you the permission to try and do it so i
1: love it i love that because we run into that all the time like we all yeah. the time yeah where they're yeah. reading reading and they're so burned out on reading but they're not doing anything and it's like yeah you, you and there. Always,
2: that's like the one question i always get too, it's like well how do i start where do i start and i'm like just start just just do it just try it
1: (laughs) yeah i completely agree
0: well before we let you go would you let our listeners like remind them of where to find you
2: (laughs) yeah so i am the redheaded witch and you can find me on instagram youtube and tiktok and then at my coffee business is full craft goods which you can also find on instagram and also check out at fullcraftgoods.com and then my book is called the beginner witch's handbook which is available for pre-order and um on chills september 26th awesome.
0: and all of this will of course be linked in our caption if you're like how the heck do i spell that look in the <laughs> caption <laughs> thank you very much yeah. for joining us today. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you so
2: much for having me.
0: So Maria, what's stirring your cauldron this week?
1: So what is stirring my cauldron is how my wife and I went to Asheville the past weekend. It was was just such an amazing experience, particularly on our Sunday trip to Pisgah National Park, which is in the mountains pretty close to Asheville. Pisgah feels like so far removed from anything. I mean, I think that's really any state park, but (laughs) but it really felt like it then. I mean, you have no cell phone service, which is good because, you know, we're all really attached to our phones. So that kind of like helped me Keep my phone away from me, which is always nice because I always feel like I'm too connected. But, and then you're like surrounded by miles and miles of nature in like so many different forms. And we actually took Leah's advice um, because I was writing with her back and forth about the tread because she had lived up there. And I knew she would probably know, like, all the best, stops, best spots to go. And so we took a trail that was on top of some of the mountains, and I wish I could describe the view to do it justice. Uh, it was pretty scary going up there. I, Like, I have no problems, like, walking, you know, doing trails up mountains and stuff like that, but driving up mountains is terrifying. But it was well worth all the anxiety, like, heading up there. Um, but, you know... When we were up there, the Appalachian Mountains, like, surrounded us, and it was just such a beautiful and clear day. I mean, you could see for miles, and, like, the ground was, like, glittered with, like, bits of mica, and there was so many beautiful native plants, then like then before and after like leaving the trail you have to go through some black balsams and it just oh my god it smelled so good because like sap was coming like out of them and needles were everywhere and it was so like dark and quiet like when you entered them it kind of reminded me of the black forest in Germany but during our adventure there I was cleaning up trash, you know, and making sure not to disturb too much of anything. And I think, like, I was rewarded by doing that for the land there. Um, When we were leaving, I actually found an orange calcite just sitting in the middle of the black balsams. um, And like there was no other rocks nearby or anything and no one could have left it because very rough not very clean obviously you know came from the earth there and I asked the spirit of place if I could take it and got all the good tingles and it just it truly felt like a gift so I've been treasuring it and keeping it on me ever since our trip. And I'm like, I'm really counting down the days until we are able to go back up to that area again, including Asheville. I mean, there's really no other place like it. Um, And I've lived like a bunch of different places. I mean, would I choose to go back to Germany over Asheville? Of course, of course. But I really, I love the vibe and um, of that area. It just... It really does feel like home. I would move there easily if money wasn't an issue.
2: (laughs) So, Robin,
1: what is not stirring your cauldron right now?
0: Oh, thank you so much for asking. (laughs) um this week what's not stirring my cauldron is the smoke the smoke's back uh we are at the end of july and normally normally we're already smoked out you know when my kid was born a couple of years ago uh the actual weekend that they were born was the only weekend of the entire summer that did not look like an apocalyptic film So, I mean, I'm, you know, I need to count my blessings (laughs) Um, that we've made it this long without there being smoke. But because the smoke is back, I'm immediately reminded of how much I hate fire season (laughs) And I'm miserable. Uh, it's also like a billion degrees. I know everyone across the country is going through this. We're, we're in this crazy heat wave. But when you mix 105 degree weather with smoke, it's like extra disgusting. I know that our friends on the East Coast are going through their first summer that I know of where there's this apocalyptic smoke. I'm sure that's not true. I It's just all in the papers. So my point of reference for that is... Um, a little out of touch um so i'm sure that they are very much so <laughs> over the smoke as well especially with like humidity and everything else that happens on the east coast but yeah i'm over smoke i'm over fire season uh i'd like to close that chapter permanently <laughs> so yeah If you've just joined us this week, every week we talk about creators that we are loving right now. Uh, These are anyone from shops, bloggers, podcasts, books artists just anyone that we have organically found on our own that we think are amazing and deserve a little shout out these people are in no way an advertisement and this season we have uh, requested the listeners you all to send us your listener submissions and people that you are just digging right now so that being said maria who are you into this week
1: so i recently got the mind's eye tarot by olivia rose and it was produced by us games and it is such a cute and very weird and funky deck like i really like it i'm usually not one for a lot of color um but i think it's balanced very well and i don't like these cards they feel like i don't know like fey energy that's definitely the energy that they give off and um i don't know i just i really like them i think like the deck itself is really well made i think u.s games have stepped up a lot when it comes to um the quality of their decks like the edges are gilded and the cardstock is phenomenal um but I really did like them, and I highly recommend checking them out. I mean, Olivia is such an amazing, amazing artist anyway, so like having a whole deck full of her art is an absolute dream. So who have you been loving?
0: So the creator that I'm loving this week is an artist called Steph Buscema. Um, they are... She is um, a painter, and these very specifically what like I got drawn to are these planchettes that she's painted like um vintage or I guess antique Momento mori style skulls with wings and crossbones on them they're just like absolutely stunning I really want one and I think they're so pretty she does a bunch of other stuff and like some of her planchettes she's done have like little pumpkins and stuff on them which is so cute <laughs> but uh I think it's really cool and what I was looking at when I was looking like at her stuff is she does a bunch of stuff like she does a bunch of things um it looks like maybe she does a tarot deck which is pretty cool the silver acorn tarot which I think Maria actually uh, recommended on this podcast before so it just I I think it's really cool I think that all of this is very neat and I'm really glad I found them Now, that being said, our listener submission, I am very afraid of butchering this name. Um, So I'm going to do my best, but please remember that the caption will have this spelled out for how to find them. Um, And if I have pronounced this totally wrong, I truly apologize. The artist's name is Emmanuel Jobidon, I believe is how you pronounce it. I could be very wrong. (laughs) And they do this really cool thing where they basically kind of at least looks like they do transfers onto skulls, like animal bones, jaws, skulls, etc. And um, then ornate them with like gilded gold and stuff like that. Um, They describe themselves as weaving life and death in art. And I think it's really beautiful. And for anybody who does work with bones or death as like a concept, I really... (sighs) I really think this is very neat. So, I'm I'm loving this listener submission. Thank you so much for sending it to us. Maria and I both were like jaw on the floor. <laughs> so cool. you all so much for joining us today we hope that we will see you again on friday july 28th for our coffee talk episode or on august 4th for the 15th episode of season four you can keep an eye out on our social media or head to our website coffeeandcoldrons.com to find out more information and see what we are up to don't forget to join us on patreon july 22nd for our class with lilith dorsey author of water magic for a class that is on water magic (laughs) this will be at 11 a.m pacific standard time additionally our patreon magical beginnings offers a special 25 minute part two episode a huge library of articles about witchcraft Um, we have a ton of spells on there Uh, Last I checked, we're almost actually at 400 articles, which is crazy. A Discord community full of fun events and discussions, and we even have a tier that offers one-on-one conversations and mentorship with me, Maria. If you are loving our wonderful, sexy, sensual voices, take a moment to review us on whatever streaming service that you are tuning in from, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We love reading your reviews and rating us with five stars helps us to be seen by others. Thank you to everybody who already has and everyone who will join in the future. We really appreciate you. Additionally, a special shout out to all of our Patreon members who have joined, um, those new and those old, we appreciate you so very much. And uh, we actually just recently increased our witches First Covenant here, so that way there's more slots for people who really want to be a part of the Discord community. So we hope to see you there. So again, this is Coffee and Runs with Robin from At a Tired Witch on Instagram, and I'm joined by Maria of Maria the Arcane on Instagram. This will be weird to do by myself, <laughs> but one... Two, three. Bye, witches!